And for all of you who listen and speak fluent English, hello friends and welcome. Sorry, I really just wanted to say hi to as many people as I could as this podcast is listened to all over the world. And many of you are located not just in the United States, but outside. And I know if you live in the U.S., you can speak several different languages. I'm just trying to include all of you and do my best to say hi. Because if you come here every week and listen to the things that I have to tell you, then you're my friend and I would like to say hi, I love you, and thank you. Okay, <clears throat> let's begin. If you've never tuned in to an episode of What the Actual Laugh, well, you're in for a treat. Or maybe a trick. I don't know, I can never keep up. All I know is my whole life I've been obsessed with like the darker side of life, you know, crimes, murders, conspiracies, hauntings, everything that people would look at me and just go, why the hell are you interested in that, Harmony? Well, you know why? Because I'm weird. And if you're weird too, or you just kind of like that stuff, well, stick around because maybe you'll like this episode. And hey, if you do like this episode, then why not follow the podcast? Then you'll be notified and can listen to every episode of What the Actual Left. So go ahead, follow along wherever you're listening to this episode. And if not, that's fine too. Just glad to have you here right now. Anyways, let's get down to business, exactly why you're here. Today, I'm gonna tell you about a true crime. I know, shocker! But this case is actually, it's crazy, it's crazy. I know every week I basically say the same line. One thing I have learned in doing research for these cases but I guess a lot of these cases just kind of mirror one another. And I'm gonna say my same line I say almost every week. One thing I have learned about these cases, people are crazy. And today's case is going to absolutely prove that to you. But why do you ask? Because of a love triangle. Of course it is, of course it is. Many of these cases are usually due to someone scorned. And often, that person scorned is a lover. Today is no different. Today's case is about a love triangle gone very, very bad. We are going to be going to 2013 for this case. When a young 21-year-old girl by the name of Heather Elvis met and started dating a man by the name of Sidney Moorer, a 37-year-old maintenance worker. And you know what? I wish I could sit here and say they met and started dating and fell in love even though they had a 17 year age difference, but whatever! And they lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, that is not what I'm gonna say. I, I wish I could, but it's just, it's not. And that's why we're here. Because although Heather thought she had found some amazing man, she would soon find out that somebody already found him. And that somebody was his wife. Are you guys ready? Because this story is twisted. This is the twisted case of Heather Elvis. He was like, do you see him? And I was like, who? And she was like, Sydney. And I was like, who is Sydney? And she was like, that guy over there, the maintenance guy. 
This case is crazy, guys. I can't explain it. I know some of us out here have probably been involved in a love triangle or, or two. I don't know. I don't judge. But I'm sure you've had your heart broken by love. And it seems that hearts breaking and, and bad love or sour relationships is a drive in a lot of the cases that I bring to you. And that's exactly what brings us the case for today. Here's a little rundown. By late 2013, 20-year-old Heather Elvis had been living on her own for more than about a year and a half. She had a great job at a local restaurant called The Tilted Kilt, and she was enjoying her life in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She was in a happy relationship, and by all accounts, she appeared to be happy. But before the end of the year, Heather would disappear. By December 19th, Horry County Police would discover her abandoned vehicle just eight miles from the beach. The vehicle had been unattended for hours, and it was sitting right at the Peachtree Landing boat ramp. There was no broken glass, no signs of a struggle, no signs of a break into the vehicle. It seemed as though she had just walked away. And this meant she was missing. After notifying her parents, officers drove to the tilted kilt. Who knows, maybe she was there, or maybe somebody there knew where she was. Her co-worker and roommate, Brianna Colzer, said that her new boyfriend, or lover, whatever you want to refer to him, I'm gonna call him douchebag. But for the sake of this case, his name was Sidney Morer. But however, he may have been her boyfriend or her lover, but he was also a married man. Uh-huh, yeah, douchebag. Anyways, sorry, my opinion got a little loose there. Well, here's the thing about Sydney. Although he was married and also Heather's boyfriend, he may very well possibly be the father of Heather's unborn child. Oh, but that's not it. Again, this case is juicy and it's twisted and it's crazy, but this is just a rundown. Police would soon discover that Sydney's wife had learned of his discrepancies in their marriage. Yeah, she found out he was cheating on her. This is obviously going to end super well. So his wife learned about his affair and had begun harassing Heather for weeks. And then some eerie security footage would be discovered as well. This footage would see that on December 18th, with a pregnancy test in his possession, was little old Sydney. But why would both of the Morers end up being charged with murder, but would never actually be convicted of it, even with, to this day, Heather Elvis never being found? Listen, I want to tell you this tale, I want to share with you this story, but for us to do so, I think it's time we have a beer. Let's head on over to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and meet at the Tilted Kilt. This is where our story begins. Welcome to the Tilted Kilt, grab a drink or some food and let me tell you all about Heather. 
Born on June 30th, 1993 in Carolina Forest, South Carolina. Heather Rachel Elvis had her whole life ahead of her before she completely vanished. She graduated high school in 2011 and just wanted to leave her hometown. She really aspired to be an independent adult, to live her life on her own. Her parents completely supported this decision. She was their oldest daughter and knew that she had great things in store for her. With her parents' support, she moved to Myrtle Beach. Not only did she find an apartment, but she also got a job immediately. This is when she began working at the Tilted Kilt. You guys know that place? That's where we are. Shh, for the sake of this podcast, use your imagination. So the location that she worked at was located just a few miles away from the ocean. This wasn't Heather's only job as well. Oh no, no, she's 20 years old. What do you think? She lives in the world like we do. Money is everything. So she had a second job where she worked at the House of Blues. She also was studying cosmetology. Heather had her hands full. Then, in June of 2013, Heather would meet Sydney Maurer and throw in a little bit of love to the mix of her already full plate. Just a little bit of spice. So who was Sydney? Well, besides being a douchebag, he was also a maintenance worker who regularly would come into the restaurant to repair the kitchen's equipment. This meant that the two would see each other and bump into one another. And for some reason, Heather found him quite attractive. Not sure why, he's a troll, but maybe that's because I think he's just a douchebag. And I mean, frankly, if uh, if you're a bad person, well, pfft, you're ugly as hell to me. But I don't know, some people find bad people hot. Uh, then again, if you look at my dating history, a lot of those guys are bad, but I thought they were sexy. Maybe I should get some help. <laughs> Anyways, let's continue, guys. Sorry about that. Uh, in all truth, like jokes aside, Heather actually had an interest in older men. Like this was this was her type, and that's why she found Sydney attractive. And I can't really fault her because many of us have our own uh, things that we find attractive, our own kinks, if you will. You know, things that just make us go, "Oof, that person's hot." And for Heather, it was just being an older gentleman. Heather wasn't even shy about this preference either. She told all of her co-workers and all of Twitter. Which brings us to her Twitter account. At 7.12pm on July 10th, Heather tweeted this, Baby did a bad thing. And then, just a minute later, she followed up with, I'm in way too deep, but watch me get in deeper. That's what she said. I mean, it is what she said, Heather, in this point, but also, like, the joke. <laughs> okay, I ruined that one. Let's continue. Also, if you're new here, <laughs> sorry. I told you I'm weird. So, as I said, everybody who's anybody that knew Heather and followed her on Twitter knew that she had this preference for older gentlemen. But they also knew that she was seeing Sydney and kind of just, like, teased her for it. Here's a quote from Brianna, who was also her roommate and co-worker. We all knew about it because people did make fun of her for knowing that he wasn't just an older man, but a married one. According to Brianna, she was made fun of a lot. She would also be made fun of, called names, all by the girls that she worked with. One day, two of the girls that she worked with decided to call the Tilted Kilt and pretend to be Tammy. This was Sydney's wife. Super fucked up, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, Heather wasn't in the right. She was definitely having an affair and knew she was with a married man. So she's not exactly in the clear. 
But I'm not here to victim blame. She did do something not okay at all, but that didn't mean she deserved to die. I also don't think that the people who knew needed to make fun of her. Maybe just pull her aside and be like, hey, uh, I don't really agree with what you're doing. And like, maybe you should think about what you're doing. Would you want someone to do it to you if you were married? Probably not. So like, just maybe stop. I don't know. But here's the thing. As I said, Tammy actually did learn about the affair. Now I'm gonna pause this for a minute and tell you guys about something a little bit personal. Several years ago, while I was working on a mural, I became privy to an affair. In fact, I wasn't the only one who knew about this affair. Everybody at the establishment that I was working on knew of this. And this thing got real dirty and real dark. There were a few times that me and the workers at the bar were actually kind of like, oh shit, um, <laughs> is something bad gonna happen? Is somebody gonna get hurt? Because it just, it was messy. It was really, really messy. So as somebody who has been privy and seen these things to affairs that happen in an establishment, kind of like a restaurant or a bar, it can get dark and get grimy, it can get messy, and it can get dangerous. Especially when the other spouse, the one who's being cheated on, finds out. And uh, like I said, Tammy did. So let's continue. When Tammy did find out, she allegedly forced Sydney to get a tattoo of her name on him. You know, like a, a, a real, uh, a marking your territory move. This is my man. He has my name on him. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It just, it makes me laugh. Now that I marked you, you can never cheat on me because that's how it works. Yeah, okay, so not only did Tammy tell Sydney, yo, you gotta get my name tattooed on you because this is gonna make you never cheat on me again, obviously. She also would handcuff him to the bed at night while she was sleeping. Just to, you know, ensure that he wouldn't. Jesus Christ, if your marriage is that bad, just fucking leave. I, I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm not trying to like be a bitch or be an asshole, but if you have to handcuff somebody, like imprison them, because you are so afraid they're gonna cheat on you because they are unfaithful and have a problem with fidelity, fucking go. Like, you deserve better as a person. Don't stoop down to that. And definitely don't do what Tammy ends up doing. So anyways, Tammy's like, you know, get my name tattooed on you and also wear these shiny little uh, bracelets, thanks. They're in a super healthy relationship, as you can tell. She also made him end his affair with Heather. Then Tammy would take his phone and keep it so that she could harass Heather, which left a extremely heart brother, heart brother, heartbroken Heather, and she just decided, you know what? I need to move on. I have no idea what that was, but I think you guys may have possibly heard it. Sorry, I'm gonna stop for one second. Okay, I'm gonna leave that in, but um, I'm gonna pause the podcast for like a quick moment. So let's, uh, let's change the atmosphere for a quick second. Okay, so I'm just taking a moment to step from the episode. I apologize, but I wanted to share something with you guys. Now, if you follow me on TikTok, side note, if you don't, you should. That's Oh Hey It's Harmony on there. But if you do, then you know that I've had some creepy things happening basically everywhere I live. And the place that I currently live is no exception at all. 
In fact, I'm not the only one who's having experiences. A lot of people do and continue to every day. However, while I was just recording, and that's why I'm choosing to leave it in, something happened as I was sitting here, you know, talking to you guys. Which this is, this is nothing new. Whenever I'm usually working or something's happening, this happens often. In fact, just now as I did this, another tap occurred. However, this was, uh, this was, it sounded like something actually moved in my place. Uh, if you want to go back again, I'm sure you guys can listen and hear it. I do have obviously background audio music and I apologize, but that is just, it's just how podcasts work and it's, it's good for the podcast. The, the sound in the background, not the creepy stuff. The creepy stuff is not. I mean, yeah, it is. That's why you're here. But the creepy stuff that happens to me, not good for the podcast. Because then I got to pause and like compose myself and understand I'm home alone, but creepy things are happening. So anyways, if you uh, do want to know anything about that, you guys want me to do an episode on the creepy things that I've experienced in my life and what's going on here, just send me an email at what the actual EFF harmony at gmail.com and let me know. I think I said that too fast. That's what the actual EFF harmony at gmail.com. Just let me know. And maybe I will, maybe I won't. Who knows? Okay, let's continue with this podcast now that I am thoroughly freaked out. Even after that day, the day that they first started talking, like over a series of weeks, it was her running and being like, Bree, Sydney did this and we're going to do this and we hung out here and every time he would come in, she would almost like run away because it was like, oh, you know, like Sydney's here kind of thing. When it came to Heather, he made her feel like she was his one and only. She told me she loved him. Okay, so like I stated before I was so rudely interrupted by whatever haunts my house or even creepier, me. Tammy found out, was very upset, made Sydney get a tattoo of her name on his body, would handcuff him to the bed, and then confiscated his phone after making Sydney end the affair. All so she could harass Heather. Of course, Heather, she was heartbroken and was like, you know what, I gotta move on. I have to go forward with my life. I just, I gotta go forward. And she tried. She tried moving forward with a absolutely just broken heart. All while Tammy is making her life hell. Do you remember how I said her co-workers would call the Tilted Kill and mess with her saying it was Tammy? Well, guess what? Now, Tammy was calling the Tilted Kill to harass Heather. She would also send very inappropriate photos to Heather of Sydney and her doing uh, the sexy time together. <laughs> that's gross. That's fucking nasty. Like, okay, Tammy, you can tell, is one of those people that's like, uh ha ha, I win, I got him, you don't have him. And just thinks that, like, she's she won some sort of trophy because, like, he chose her, even though, like, he. He was fucking Heather behind her back and like had to be forced to do all that. I don't know, I don't know, but whatever. She was just like, you know, let me rub it in your face that like, I got him. Not a real prize there, Tammy, not a real prize. But Heather, she just basically just kept tolerating it. And then this leads us to another tweet that Heather would put out. On September 21st, 2013, Heather tweeted this. Once upon a time, an angel and a devil fell in love. It did not end well. I, I think what's eerie about this is I know Heather was making this statement more in regards to what she was experiencing at the time. You know, uh, experiencing the fact that who she loved had a, had a wife, had kids. That's right, he had kids. And uh, everything that she thought she had with him wasn't real. 
in her eyes, this made this older man who, you know, befailed her or just, you know, wooed her and let her down, befuzzled. I think that's the word I was looking for. Broke her heart. And then there comes this angry wife who's like, nah, this is my man. Just real harass, harassing and just bad, bad person, you know. This young girl who's just trying to make it in life is just suffering, dealing with all of this. Again, not saying she was in the right, but she's also trying to move past what happened and was trying to make better decisions. So she sees this as, this is just not going the way I planned and this is not good. And what gets me is... Heather had no idea just how true these words were going to be. When the whole thing was found out, it blew up like a bomb, almost. I mean, Tammy was livid, texting Heather. She was sending Heather pictures of her and Sydney having sex. I personally never saw them because I told her I did not want to. Tammy, her phone calls, you know, you're going to stop talking to my husband or else. And it wasn't, or else I'm going to do this. It was, or else. Tammy called Heather. She said, you're going to end it with my husband. So she put Sydney on the phone and sat there while Sydney and Heather talked. And they ended things on the phone. But Sydney made comments to Heather and said, you know, you were nothing to me. You were just someone who spread your legs. And basically tore Heather apart as a human being. On November 19th, Sydney and Tammy decide, you know what, we need to like fix this. We need to, we need to rejuvenate our marriage. We need to reconcile. In order to do this, they decide they're gonna leave town and go on a three week vacation to none other than Disneyland. It's the happiest place on earth. I mean, it sounds like a genius plan, right? Obviously, Disney is the place you go to fix infidelity. Well, meanwhile, while they're working on their marriage, Heather is working on herself and moving on with her life. She ended up getting a cosmetology job at a local beauty parlor and was due to start there just before Christmas. Now, during this time, as she's waiting to begin this new job, people at the Tilted Kilt started to notice something. It looked kind of like maybe she was gaining weight. Like, okay, okay, everybody fluctuates in weight, nothing like that. But at the Tilted Kilt, you do have to keep some, I hate to say this because I don't, I don't like it, but a sort of physique about yourself. It's a restaurant, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah, but anyways, her co-workers were kind of like, hmm, what's going on? Why do you look like you're gaining some weight? Well, this actually started to worry Heather. She was just kind of like, all right, um, I don't actually know because I haven't changed anything and I am gaining weight and now I think I need to take a pregnancy test. So she did. Well, her first test actually only came back with an error. Yeah, so she was really even more worried. Still, she had no answer even with the test in hand and was freaking out. During this whole waiting in limbo, Heather decided to go out on a date with a man by the name of Steve. She went out with Steve Chiraldi on December 17th. He also would later claim that he did drop her off back at her house at around 1 o'clock in the morning, which would lead us to December 19th. This is when police would locate her car, which was abandoned at the boat launch. The boat launch that was located on Waccamaw River in Saka State, which is called Petrie Landing Soon or the Landing Tree Soon. 
Sorry, there were like a lot of names and I was getting easily confused. Here's what I can fully gather and say. The boat launch that was located on Waccamaw River in Socastee, which is called Peachtree Landing. Guys, I'm so bad with words. Anyways, investigators would actually end up learning all about Sydney, as I told you. This is when they were like, you know what, we should probably question him because she was worried she was pregnant, at least according to her co-workers. And she went out on a date with this guy who dropped her off at home. He could verify everything. And she was having some sort of relationship with a married man. Hmm. We should talk to him. We should definitely talk to him. Sydney is brought in for questioning on December 20th. He immediately denies being anywhere near Petrie Landing on the night in question. He has nothing to do with it. But police then comb through Heather's phone records and find that she did in fact call a payphone. Not just one time, not two times, but nine times. And this all started at around 1.30 in the morning on December 18th, which is the actual morning after the night of December 17th, the very night that she went on the date with Steve, or Steven, or the dude. And as we know, Steve dropped her off roughly around one o'clock. So this all follows through with the timeline. This is where the prosecutor who took charge of this case, Chris Helms, would actually later suggest that Heather had been frantically trying to return somebody's call. You know, a person without a phone, i.e. a married man whose wife made, you know, him give up his phone, get her name tattooed on him, and make him wear really nice shiny handcuffs. The bracelet of love. I mean, that's true, depending who you are, or how kinky you are, or like how crazy you are in Tammy's case. But yeah, so according to Chris Helms, the prosecutor, he thinks that Heather is like, oh my God, I missed a call. What if it's him? I should probably try to talk to him. We need to talk because like I could be pregnant. So like, let me just try, let me try again and again. And maybe if he's there, he'll answer. So police decide, you know what? We should probably ask Sydney like, was he the one that she was trying to call back? Because she was definitely trying to reach whoever this was. Of course, Sydney's like, nah, dude, that wasn't me. I'm married. Like, why would I want to talk to her? I, I promise it wasn't me. Well, <laughs> they did recover security footage of the payphone. And they did, in fact, see someone that was using the phone during the time in question. However, it was too grainy to identify who it was. But... Haha, <laughs> yeah, but as police often do, they still use this sort of like a tactic in their favor where they do in fact have footage of what's going on in question. And there is in fact somebody there, but it is too grainy and it's a little too out of focus. You can't exactly tell who it is to, uh, to their advantage. As soon as the police go, hey, Sydney, we have you on tape. He just fucking goes, you know what? You're right. Uh, I did talk to Heather. I'm, I'm sorry I lied. Yep. He just comes out and says, I talked to her that night. Yeah, you got me. I did. Now, according to Heather's roommate, Brianna, she told investigators that Heather had called her that night and said that Sydney called her and said that he was leaving his wife to be with Heather. Immediately, she was like, yo, Heather, I don't, I don't 
this doesn't sound like a good no 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 i think this is you know what just don't go don't go don't go like straight up warned her this didn't sound like anything that she needed to get involved with it didn't sound good instead she said please don't meet with him and just go to sleep and we can talk about this all in the morning because this was contradicting the whole claim that heather needed to leave him alone you know the whole phone call that had literally like broken her he had just called her with Tammy and said, you're nothing to me. I don't want to be with you. Don't ever contact me again. Stay the hell out of my life. And now he's like, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, scratch all that. Yeah, no, I, I love you. And hey, Tammy, who's Tammy? Tammy Shrammy. No, she's gone. I want you. Fuck my wife. Screw with the three kids we have together. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck everything I have. I want you. So uh, Brianna was like, I don't, I'm not having any of that. This sounds fishy. So I think you should just stay home and like sleep on it. And we can talk about it in the morning. And then maybe we'll come to like a better decision than meeting him in the middle of the fucking night. Okay, cool. Well, this immediately and completely made him a suspect. Even more ominously, Heather's phone records show that she spoke with the payphone caller several times from 3.17 in the morning to 3.21 in the morning. Then sometime after this or around this, who actually knows, she would end up driving to Peachtree Landing. She then called the same number at 3.37 in the morning. This is the same time that that surveillance footage showed Sydney's black Ford F-150 approaching her. Then at 3.41 in the morning, Heather's phone died. This may leave you wondering, <laughs> what happened to Heather, Herbony? Yeah, um, that's all I got. I mean, I have more, there's more to this episode, but like, I don't know what happened to her. But you know what? Let's continue the show, shall we? She was crying. When I asked her what was wrong, she told me Sydney had called her. Brianna was floored when Heather told her why he called. He said that he left his wife and that he missed me and he wanted to see me. And she was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, how about you sleep on it? She was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to sleep and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And we always end our conversation with love you. So we said love you, hung up, and that was the last time I talked to her. Obviously at this point, the evidence against Sydney is just piling up. Police noted that his pickup truck was leaving the Peachtree Landing area around 3.45 in the morning. Remember, they saw what looks like his truck, the same make, same color, same model, everything, coming up behind Heather. So they end up searching the truck and this is when they find that Sydney had actually disengaged his GPS system the night of December 18th, which as you know, prevents the police or anybody from reviewing where the car had been. But that didn't stop Sydney from being arrested on February 21st, 2014. But here's the kicker. So was his wife, Tammy. Silence was all that could be heard as Sydney Moore walked into court Monday morning for his bond hearing on a charge he kidnapped Heather Elvis. Within minutes, Sydney's hearing was over and it was his wife, Tammy Moore's turn. As Heather's father, mother, and sister watched from the back of the courtroom, the Moores waived their rights to bond on the kidnapping charges. Dozens of people gathered outside the courtroom, some close friends of the Elvis family, others just there to show their support. As you guys can gather, Sydney and Tammy were charged with murder and kidnapping. However, with no murder weapon, 
no body, and no forensic evidence, the murder charges were dropped. Now, they were still charged with kidnapping of Heather Elvis. They did post their $20,000 bail and awaited their kidnapping trials. Now, despite their home security footage showing them washing their car after December 18th and burning rags that they used, and a receipt for a pregnancy test was in their possession. Even despite this, Sidney's trial resulted in a mistrial. He was also charged with obstruction of justice on October 2017 for lying about his use of the payphone. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, for future reference, it's really bad to lie to the authorities. Just uh, didn't think I needed to share that one with you, but just in case, there you go. Back to continue today in the kidnapping trial for Sidney Moorer in the Heather Elvis disappearance. Prosecutors showed surveillance video from a Myrtle Beach Walmart the morning Elvis disappeared. A sled investigator testified it shows Sidney Moore buying a pregnancy test and cigars. Well, several of Heather's co-workers told the court on Monday they thought she was pregnant. Elvis's father, Terry, reacted to those developments. We've heard different testimony just like you have. Um, usually you don't believe something until you see it. But we're not in a position to see that yet. A crime scene investigator with the Horry County Police Department also testified on Tuesday. That investigator was involved in searching Heather's car and apartment. I was actually buying it for my wife. Um, she was in the vehicle when I bought it for her. Um, she took it that night. Um, and it was negative like so many before and after. Sidney Moore spoke exclusively with our sister station WBTW on Tuesday after testimony wrapped up. There's a gag order in the case, but he says he wanted to speak because of his wife. Moore says that he and his wife Tammy had been trying to get pregnant for a long time, and that night isn't the only time he could have been seen buying a pregnancy test, he says. We asked Moore if he thought the statements and new video would be trouble for him. Not really so much damaging. Um, as, I guess, maybe leading the jury into something to maybe try to get them to believe something that's not so. Moore says his wife eventually did get pregnant but lost the baby. He says he feels like she was brought into the case against her will. Moore says if Heather Elvis was pregnant, it's biologically impossible the baby was his. Sydney was found guilty and he was sentenced to 10 years. Tammy then went on trial in October of 2018. This is when prosecutors added a conspiracy to kidnap charge as well. Investigators would provide evidence proving that Tammy had been stalking Heather after learning all about the affair she was having with Sydney. Which I just think is hilarious to me because there's so much proof that Heather and Sydney were sleeping together and the man wants to continue to say that there's no way if she was pregnant it could at all be his like my guy everybody knows you were diddling her just admit it already i think he's just trying to convince himself anyways tammy was found guilty on both counts and sentenced to two concurrent terms of 30 years I'm gonna pause for a second. Not that I don't think that this is exactly what is deserved several, several years locked up, but it angers me because there are cases where there's so much more evidence against people and they get barely anything. If they even see time or if they get anything, it's usually like a slap on the wrist and a fine, maybe a year or two. 
She's getting 60 years for kidnapping and stalking. When there are people out there that have raped, murdered, tortured, and done horrible things to several people, and they're still walking the streets. <laughs> Gotta love our system, don't ya? Oh, you've got marijuana on you? We're gonna lock you up for the rest of your life. Oh, you tortured, killed, murdered someone, and hid their body and refused to tell anyone where it's at? Okay, 60 years. I mean, come on. Come on. Sorry, I just, I don't like our system and the way it is heavily flawed. Anyways, to this day, there is still absolutely no trace of Heather Elvis. She has never been found. Under the Tampa skyline, Sidney Moore put more than two years of silence to an end. First, talking about the last day Heather Elvis was seen, a day when he says she left notes on his car at work. So I called her, told her, said, hey, look, I don't know if it's notes, you know, whatever. Enough's enough. Stop calling me. Stop texting me. She says, I don't know why it has to be like this or something like that. And I'm like, look, this, you just need to stop. It wasn't what you think it was. It was just... Moore says he stopped the relationship months before after his wife, Tammy, found out. He says Tammy only spoke with Heather on the phone, and that conversation was about leaving him. She started talking to her about, hey, will you go to an attorney with me to get a divorce? Um, and she said, sure, no problem. Back to the day Elvis's car was found at Peachtree Landing, Moore says he started receiving phone calls. One from Terry Elvis, Heather's father, the next from detectives. He told them he had talked to Heather the day before, but had not seen her since October. At this point, did you know what was I going on? I didn't know exactly. They said that they hadn't heard from her, but I had been told by friends and stuff that it had happened a lot. Moore uh, says hours later, so detectives like, okay, came okay, by his home, and he claims they even called Heather's phone from his so cell phone. He says the next few weeks were full of threats from the public and more inquiries from police. I cooperated from the very first time anyone contacted me. I never said, call my attorney, I'm not talking to you, none of that. Um, do you feel like people know that? No, I don't think they do. When they came and asked to look in our house, we let them look in our house with no warrant. Look around, do what you want to do. Moore says that all changed February 21st at 7.30 a.m. You don't feel like a suspect and they come in and they arrest you. What he you tells me of? I'm under arrest and I'm like, what for? And he goes, I'll tell you later. And I'm like, you don't have an arrest warrant? He goes, not on me. I'm like, all right. And I looked at the U.S. Marshal and he goes, and I'm like, okay, I guess it's legit. You know, I still could never figure out why they arrested my wife. In the morning I was arrested, I found out she had been arrested and I'm like, what, what for? the hell did she get arrested for? And I was told she was charged with the same things I was. I said, how in the hell did she get charged? She didn't even know her. Moore says the bond hearing for those charges changed everything. What was so peculiar to you about that bond hearing? Um, that bond hearing was unlike any other. Um, my attorney kind of shook his head when I talked to him after. He goes, it wasn't a bond hearing. He said, they just tried you. And he goes, you don't present evidence at a bond hearing. Why do you think they did? I think it was, I know it was. I know it was to give the public perception, look at all this crap we've got on them. They had to have done it. They tried us and we were convicted that day.
Moore maintains no real evidence of a murder or kidnapping was ever presented. A recent pretrial hearing shows a truck believed to be Sydney's could be one piece of that evidence. I don't think it was my truck. So you're saying it could be your truck, but you were not in it? I'm saying no one I knew was in it. Absolutely no one I knew. If it was my truck, I didn't know about it. How and did that happen? Well, remember um, I told you the police took my truck for 11 days, um, which is a week longer than they normally ever hold one for. Um, I don't know that the day and time is right on the video that they're using in court. I still think today, I, I, I know I'm innocent, there's a chance that it'll be okay. Um, but the crooked that's gone on you always makes you wonder a little, they've gotten away with this for two years, over two years, how far can they go? Yep, and uh, there's Sydney still trying to play like he is just doing no wrong. It wasn't me, it was the one-armed man. Somebody else had my truck. I think it was the police. They had it after she disappeared. They probably faked it. I think they made that video. You should look into that. The man has excuses for everything. He swears he's been cooperating, and I'll give him that. He has talked to the police, but cooperating? <laughs> I don't know if I'd use that word. I personally have my own opinions when it comes to people that do such heinous things. Yes, I know there is no actual tangible proof or evidence that first of all, Heather is even no longer alive. There is also no very tangible evidence that Tammy and Sydney did in fact kill her or do something. However, there is enough, I guess you could say circumstantial evidence to prove that they were absolutely involved with whatever led to Heather disappearing. Just because Sydney and Tammy do not want to admit that they did something bad and took somebody's life or made it so that person could never come back out into society, whatever they did, be it if they just like left her somewhere, hurt her, and she could never find her way back, I personally think that they did kill her, and I think they hid her somewhere that she'll never be found, i.e. water. And people are probably going to be like, well, bodies float up. Not if you get them to stay down. <laughs> I come from an Italian family. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. <laughs> kind of. But for real, guys, I don't personally think that Sydney and Tammy are innocent in this case. I think that Tammy found out that Sydney was having an affair with a much younger woman. And Tammy wasn't exactly thrilled about that one. She wasn't approaching Sydney with the option to have a three-way or anything like that. She was approaching Sydney with the, you better stop it, I'm gonna cut your dick off and pull over in a bobbit. You know, something like that. I mean, there's definitely no doubt in denying that Tammy was a bit, um, intense. I personally don't know a lot of women that would find out that their husband was having an affair. Tell their husband, well, you know how we're going to solve this? You're going to get my name tattooed on you. And you're going to call her, break up with her, give me your phone, and then we're not done yet, sir. Oh, no, no. When we lay down at night or whenever I'm sleeping or I'm not available, you will be handcuffed to the bed so that I know you won't have anybody else in it with you. I mean, this sounds like just the perfect, picture-perfect, happy-go-lucky relationship and marriage that everybody's aspiring to have, right? Most people, and again, I know I say these things, but it doesn't always go that way because, well, we're here and I often tell you about the things people do. Anyways, most people, when they get faced in a situation such as, you know, an adultery, an affair, cheating, instead of having some sort of outlandish reaction, you know, like murder, 
Most people just look at their partner who cheated and go, well, you know what? I deserve better than that, and uh, you are just trash. Have a great life. Goodbye. However, as we know, since I do have this podcast, that is not always the case, and there are people out there that just go, well, if I can't have you, nobody can. Or, as Tammy and Sydney proved in this whole case, when there is competition or a threat, somebody gets a little insecure and has to take it out. Anyways, I am personally glad that they are both sitting in prison and will be for quite some time. Now, I will say that I do believe people can be rehabilitated. Obviously, I also think that their crimes and what they do need to be taken into account, but I think the first step to rehabilitation, no matter what you did, is admitting what you did. And let's say that you are someone who took somebody's life and you are trying to get rehabilitated, you're in the system, you're in jail, you know. I think the next step in getting that is to tell the family and the authorities where the body is of the person you killed. If you refuse to give that closure to family and friends and those who lost the person who you just decided to remove from this world, I don't think you should ever see the light of day again. I know a lot of my opinions on cases and what I think should be done to the murderers and culprits for these are pretty hot takes. I know some reason we believe as a society with our system that just because someone does something so heinous like rape, murder, torture, and kill that they should be giving second chances. Please explain to me how that's okay when there are people sitting for the rest of their life in jail for about a gram of marijuana. I don't know about you, but I don't think that that clicks very well. I do believe personally that crimes need to have the punishment that fits. Let's use a little four instances here and see if you agree. If you get caught with marijuana and it's illegal in your state or wherever you are located, I think a fucking ticket would suffice if it's not like trafficking amounts. If it's trafficking amount, I don't care, cross that bridge then. However, what I think is very important when it comes to the system and who should be behind bars are often the culprits that get sent free. The ones who do attack torture, rape, and harm children. The ones who also torture, attack, and kill animals. Those out there who think it's okay to take their own insecurity, jealousy, rage, and anger out on the world. And they do that by omitting and removing somebody from it. Now excuse the fuck out of me when I say this, but if you take somebody's life, you do not, and I repeat, this is my opinion and my opinion alone, you do not deserve to ever set foot in society and enjoy your life again because you made damn fucking sure that somebody else on this planet would never enjoy theirs. So if you don't agree with me, that's totally fine. Opinions are made to be had. They're just like assholes. Everybody has one. And if you don't like mine, oh well. Just like you, I'm allowed to have one. All right, guys. That was the case today that I have for you, and I do hope you enjoyed it. Sorry about going off on the little tangent there in the end, but these cases really get me heated. Anyways, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. I did try to get this out on Monday for you, but halfway through the episode, I ended up getting distracted, had to still do all the editing, and now it's being released on Tuesday. So, happy Tuesday. It is time for me to bid you adieu. I love you so much, and I really do hope you enjoyed this case about Heather Elvis and the douchebag known as Sydney with his crazy, overbearing wife, Tammy. You guys, seriously, stay safe out there. And for future reference to anyone out there, 
I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, I promise. But if you find yourself in a relationship with somebody only to discover that they are married, I wanna give you a little word of advice. Leave. I don't give a shit if you love them. Leave the relationship. A, they're probably not gonna leave their spouse. B, if they do leave their spouse, what makes you think they won't do the same exact thing to you? And to me, the last one, which I believe matters the most, a person approaching you, knowing that they're in a relationship with the guys or the, the hope to do something more than just be your friend. That shows you right there that that person is skeezy, untrustworthy, and cares nothing but for themselves. Because I don't know a lot of people that would do something that they know would hurt somebody if they found out. I don't know a lot of people that would do something to others that they would not want done to them. Okay, I take that one back. That last one, I actually do know several that would. Again, <laughs> people are shitty. However, I'm just gonna say this. If you do ever find yourself with somebody who is in a marriage, or in a relationship, please be the better person and get the fuck out. Do not be the asshole that is hurting an unsuspecting person. I understand emotions. I understand that you can't choose who you love but you damn sure can choose who you pursue. And if you find out that somebody is spoken for, taken, married, in a relationship, just back up. You wouldn't want someone to do it to you? Don't do that to them. Remember, as cliche as it sounds, be the change you want to see in the world because karma is very real and what you put out will come right back. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Love you.